It's nice to be here today with y'all. Again, my name is Heath Stapleton, and I guess my family, we, they decided to sit on the wrong side of the building, but uh, here with my mother, Marsha. Uh, she's been here before several times with my father, Robert, uh, from the, you know, the, he directed the school preaching there at Brown Trail, and I know he spoke here uh, many times over the years. Uh, my wife, Becky, and son, William, and my daughter, Elizabeth, is in Bible class somewhere. And, uh, but it's nice to be here. Uh, you all do support the school preaching, and we appreciate that very much. Uh, you have for some time, and not only that, but you've opened up this new house or parsonage, whatever you call it that y'all have, and uh, Michael Jimenez, one of our students, is living in it right now, and Leonard Graves will be moving into it shortly. He's finishing out his lease over here in Dallas somewhere, and when he finishes, he'll he'll be moving in with Michael, and uh, they're two good young men. We've been working on Michael ever since he was 17, 18 years old to get him to come to the school of preaching. And he finished his associate's degree out in East Texas somewhere and decided that now's a good time to come. And Leonard, uh, he's, I don't know if you met him yet, but he's 42 years old. He's a bachelor and he has an MBA and he's been working for some nonprofits and such in Dallas, I guess, for a very long time. Uh, his dad preached, his grandfather preached. Uh, his dad worked for the Tipton home in uh, Oklahoma there for a while before he passed away 10, 12 years ago. But anyhow, I'm very grateful that he's getting into preaching as well, uh, following in the footsteps of his grandfather and his father. But anyhow, we're grateful for your support for them, letting them to stay. As I just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, you know, they got to raise their money to attend the school for their living expenses. And... You know, with rent the way it is around here these days, it's just almost impossible for them to raise all the rent money that they need to pay the utilities and then everything else. So congregations like this one, the one in Weatherford, a windmill congregation where Brother Massey is, uh, the Smithfield Church uh, there uh, in the North Richmond Hills area, and Seagoville. Seagoville has three or four homes, and they've been opening up those homes for two, three decades now. And uh, if you know anything about the Seagoville congregation there, they're trying to buy up the entire block. <laughs> uh, the houses are a little old, and sometimes you, you don't want to get you know a certain element in, in the older houses. So to keep that from happening, they are just buying them up one by one, and then the students are able to stay there. So it's a big help, and we appreciate you all very much. Well, the schools of preaching in America, they exist primarily for three reasons. Economics is one. I guess it's back in the 60s, as they tell me, that the cost of education in America started to rise significantly. And not only that, but if you want to study Bible today, you cannot go to a secular school. It's just really impossible. So therefore, you have to go to one of our colleges, and our colleges that are ran and owned by members of the Lord's Church, they're private schools. And with private schools come private costs. Uh, my sister-in-law, she is the secretary to the provost at Freed Hardman. And she told me here a while back that room and board for a uh, Bible major, 15 hours, you know, semester, could run anywhere from forty-five dollars to $52,000 uh, a year. So you do that for four years and come out of school owing one hundred and fifty dollars to $200,000 dollars. 
And then you're typically your first preaching jobs at a small congregation somewhere. And if you know anything about those student loan companies, they want their money in 10 years. So you're figuring fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 a year they're wanting you to pay. Well, if you're only making thirty-five, forty, good luck. So therefore, we're the alternative to that. That would be because our tuition's free. Uh, all they got to do is have their living expenses. And typically, they raise them from congregations, individuals. And that allows them to leave with their education and their training and not owe anything which is a great benefit to them. Uh, secondly, we are known and people come to the schools because of our soundness. Um, you know, I don't know what you know about our Christian colleges these days, but their Bible departments are not what they used to be. And that's quite unfortunate. Uh, myself, I did the college route. I didn't get my degrees through a school preaching, but uh, the first school I went to was Ohio Valley College in Parkersburg, West Virginia. That's one of our church schools. I don't know how much longer it's going to be open. Uh, they're having some serious financial troubles. But then I transferred from there to Lipscomb uh, back 110 years ago. And uh, anyhow, but they're just not what they used to be. Uh, I was talking to my roommate from OVC just this week, and he was trying to tell me some of the things that was going on there. He lives closer to there than I do. And he's just like, even when we attended, we considered it to be a liberal <laughs> Bible department. And he's just telling me how much worse it is now. So if they want a sound education, they're coming to us. And as you may be aware of, there is a Christian university associated with the church in East Dallas. And its department uh, isn't what it used to be. And because of that, we're getting more and more students from that uh, situation that would normally probably attend there, but they're now coming to us. And we're grateful that they are because we're sticking to the book. And Lord willing, we always will. And thirdly, we're more tr- technical training schools. If you go to college route, you know, there, there's some benefits to going to college route, but th- there's some things they don't do as well. Uh, you come to a school preaching, we're going to give you the best uh, well-rounded education we can. We're going to teach you how to do funerals. We're going to teach you how to do weddings. We're going to teach you how to go, how to do visitation, visit in the homes, visit in the hospitals. We're going to work with you in, and how to handle church problems and, you know, all these things. And so therefore we try to give them the best well-rounded education we can. We teach them how to do a little television. We teach them how to do radio. We teach them how to, you know, write blogs and use all the technology that's available. And we do that to prepare them, but also every congregation is different. You know, some congregations have TV ministries, some have radio ministries, some have newspaper ministries. And whatever they go into, they need to be somewhat ready and prepared to be able to, you know, fill the shoes that they need to fill or, or to step up to the plate. Now, the Brown Trail School, as many of you all probably know, started in the mid-60s. And at that time, in this neck of the woods, the DFW area, you could buy a brand new home, three bedroom, two bath, for $18,000. And we live in North Richland Hills, and uh, I'm sure North Richland Hills is just like around here. For $18,000, you can get a square meter, put a window unit in, call it home. (laughs) That's about all you're going to get around here these days. Things have really changed. Uh, We had four men begin a school preaching then. One came from Queens, New York. 
they said he hitchhiked all the way to Dallas. Uh, two were from Texas, one from Oklahoma. Uh, the three that are still with us uh, are the Southerners. And uh, the one from Oklahoma is back up in Oklahoma. They're all in their mid to late 80s right now. And he is retired, if you will. He still writes correspondence courses and he writes tracks and keeps busy doing those things. Uh, one is still in Killeen. He's been preaching there a long time. He's not full-time any longer. There's someone else in the pulpit. But he still works with the congregation as much as he can. And then the third one, from, and he was from Texas, he moved to New Mexico. And uh, they called me up, I don't know, not too long ago. And they said he's retiring after 40 years of being at this congregation. And they asked us if we could send him another one for the next 40 years. And, you know, I never met the man who called me, but that's exactly what I did. I laughed at him over the phone. <laughs> and I said, you know, all we can do is try. You know, the average preacher stays only two and a half years. And it sounds like it's only it, it's two and a half years because this dude stayed 40 years. If not, it may only be two years. But anyhow, uh, the, we have a great track record. Our students go out and they do what they're trained to do, and that is to preach the gospel. Uh, we do have a Hispanic department, uh, Brother Willie Alvarenga. I believe he's already spoke here. He will be speaking here soon he, on their summer series. And Willie does a great job. He helped open that department in 2004. And we'll talk a little bit about it later. But we are the only Hispanic department two-year program in America right now. And there were two of us, but one just shut its doors in California because of a lack of finances. And those of us here in the South, we understand what's happening. Now, my wife's from Indiana. I'm from Ohio originally. And when we go up north, you know, you still go to communities up there. And there's, you know, there are more Amish and Mennonites than there are anybody, <laughs> especially where we're from. And so you're not going to deal with this, you know, situation that's happening in America right now. So as they're coming in, they're building their congregations uh, you know, sometimes we feel they need to integrate and things like that, and they will. Uh, it's just like our ancestors that came to America. Uh, my wife's were German descent. Uh, we were a Heinz 57, our family. We're a little bit of everything. But, you know, they didn't learn English overnight. The children learned it. The grandchildren definitely knew it. So as they're coming in, they're establishing congregations. They're being converted. And we get phone calls every month people starting Spanish works and they're looking for us to fill the void and we just can't do it. We just cannot supply enough Spanish speaking. And it's not that we can't bring in more students. We have many students that want to come. The problem is finances. That's all it is. Um, And the reason the problem is finances is, you know, most of them have been in America a few years or they come from El Salvador or Mexico uh, on student visas, and they don't have the American contacts to be able to raise their money. Whereas those like Michael Jimenez and Leonard Graves, you know, they were raised in a church. You know, th- their dads were preachers, or grandfathers were preachers, and they know a bunch of people. So all dad and grandpa has to do is get on the telephone, call a bunch of their friends, and their support's raised. Well, that's not going to happen. So I have to raise all the support, Willie and I do, for all the Spanish students, and at the same time trying to keep the school going. So therefore, our funds are limited. We can afford five students in the Spanish department, and that's more than we have been able to afford, and Lord willing, that will continue to grow. Now, some of our past directors, I know if you're from this area and raised in a church, you know probably all these men. 
Uh, Roy Deaver was the one that started the school. Uh, if you've ever been to College Hill Church of Christ or Fort Worth Christian, the road right behind it is Deaver Street. Uh, it was named after uh, him. And uh, th- that part of the country, I guess, when they started to develop it, members of the church bought up all those plots around College Hill there, the congregation and the school. And a lot, you just go, if you try knocking doors there, everybody in the neighborhood is a member of the church or a fallen member of the church. <laughs> And uh, it's a pretty neat neighborhood. But the Deaver family has been big in Christian education. They started us. They helped start the Southwest School of Preaching, Tennessee Bible College, Fort Worth College. Uh, Now it's, you know, uh, Fort Worth Christian Schools. So they were really big in Christian education. And Roy's sons, Roy Jr. and uh, Mac, they both preached the gospel. They're grand. Mac's sons preached the gospel. Roy didn't have any sons. Uh, he has a, a daughter. and um, But the daughter lived on Deaver Street there until just two weeks ago. So, uh, But Roy uh, Jr., he lives still just right there in the area. My wife and I, we see him all the time. I was at his house two or three days ago. He preaches up in Rome, and he's been at Rome for many years. Uh, the Winkler family, they came through. They're all in Tennessee now. Uh, then we had Witten, uh, Brother Witten now worships for the, with the Creekside Congregation in Arlington. It's a new congregation. Uh, they were Hanley, and Hanley shut its doors down to move to a better neighborhood. And uh, he's worshiping with them, Maxie Bourne. He passed away about three years ago now. Uh, I've been here one time. I came here for a funeral, and Maxie was the one who did the funeral about five years ago. And it's almost five years ago to the date. And, um, and then David Miller, who's with Apologetics Press now, and then my father. And dad died on the 31st of December, 2017. So he's passed on about, what, 18 months ago now. And dad directed the school uh, just a little bit longer than Roy. So he's the longest serving director that we've had. And when he passed, I took over the administration for a while. And we finally were able to hire a new director. And we hired brother Kevin Rhodes. Uh, Kevin preached down at Granbury Street in Cleburne uh, for 12, 13 years. Uh, his dad's a preacher. Uh, they both worked with other schools of preaching as well. His dad, Oren's now living in, um, I want to say Hazlitt, but south of Hazlitt. But they attend the Smithfield Congregation right now. Oren, I guess he's in his late 70s, early 80s. Uh, he's dealing with diabetes and such. But we're glad to have Kevin uh, our academic dean is Pat McIntosh, and he'll be here this week. He'll be here Wednesday to be speaking to y'all. And Pat does a great job. He's also the assistant minister, associate minister at the Granbury Street there in uh, Congregation in Cleburne as well. Then we have Willie Alvaringa. Uh, Willie's right there. And then Jesus Martinez. He's our full-time Spanish teacher. And then Roy Gafford. Now, Roy is an elder from... Oh, south of Seagoville. What's south of Seagoville? Yeah, he's from there. And uh, I should know. Crandall, thank you. Yeah, he's from Crandall. And Tavares Armstrong was our dean of students. I think Tavares has been here before. But right after Dad died, you know, Tavares was itching to get back into preaching. He'd been itching a long time. But he stayed on at Brown Trail when Dad was sick, you know, due to his loyalty to my father. And we're grateful for that. But dad hadn't been gone a week. And Tavares was in my office saying, you know, 
you know I stick around here because of your dad and I want to get back to preaching. And I told him, I understand. So at the time, I was the only one administrator there by myself for a while. So Pat basically has been back at the school now for a year. Uh, Kevin's only been there about eight, nine months. And Roy joined us then. And what I did was when Tavares decided he was going to leave, I just sent a big email, mass email out to everyone that I knew. And I said, what I'm looking for is someone that's semi-retired, someone that I don't have to pay much money to. I can maybe supplement their retirement or income or something like that. Someone with 110 years worth of experience and, you know, 13,000 degrees, you know, someone that would just be perfect. And I got all these emails back telling me that I was crazy. I would never find such a person. And I responded to a few of them. I said, that's all right. Call me crazy. My wife's been doing that for 25 years. That's no big deal. But Roy called me within 24 hours. And uh, he said, you know, I'm interested in this. And he got talking to me about all his qualifications. And he served as a school superintendent or something to that effect in Wichita Falls for a few years. He's coached high school football for a long time, so he understands how to work with young men. He was an elder for a long time. He's preached in small congregations for 20 years. I think he has a master's in Christian ministry. Uh, And I know he has a master's in Christian ministry. I just can't remember from where. So he, he called me up. I sent him the questionnaire, and he filled out the questionnaire perfectly. We have a 75 question questionnaire you know we want to have everyone of the same mindset we don't want to bring anyone in that's you know how it is these days and he filled that out perfectly and I called him back and he said you know I can come to work for you all for seventeen hundred dollars a month and uh, man I was giddy I didn't want to tell him I was giddy but I was happy seventeen hundred dollars a month for a dean of students someone with um, you know all the degrees he has in education and that's unheard of these days So anyhow, he does a great job. He knows how to work with the millennials. He's coached them for a long time. He's won three state championships in football. He would like you all to know that. Uh, He runs around his office with his rings on every now and then, like he's Bill Belichick or something. And uh, anyhow, but he does a good job. So uh, this whole crew, except for Willie and Jesse, you know, as far as the English department, they're all new. Uh, Myself, I've taught at Brown Trail from... Let's see, 05 to 07 and 2014 till now. And my wife and I, she's originally from Indiana, we're originally from Ohio. But once we got married, we headed to Tanzania. Uh, many of y'all probably heard of Chamala Mission and Hospital. Andrew Conley started that. We, well, Dad raised us, us there as kids. So she and I went, we lived there seven, eight years, came back to America, and then we went back and forth for three or four years. And uh, I guess once we had our daughter, that's when we got out of that. It was just too hard having William in school and having a new baby flying across the world every few months. So we decided to go into other things, and that's what brought us to Brown Trail. So those are our full-time instructors right there, our full-time staff. So when we raise support for our general fund, is to pay for these individuals, secretary, those types of things. That's what the money goes to. And you know, we don't raise much. We don't need much. Uh, myself, my salary is covered today because of, a, a, an, of an endowment. And it's covered. I don't have, we don't have to raise a penny of that. Just as long as, you know, pipelines don't go out of existence anytime soon. 
uh, we're going to be all, I'm going to be all right. Uh, between Pat and Roy, I think total salary is $35,000 between the both of them. Pat is paid a little bit from uh, Granberry Street, a little bit from us and Roy. So to have two men, one with the doctorates, one with the masters, and a combined salary is $35,000, you are just not going to find that much anymore. So we're very grateful uh, that our costs are low. Now, here's a picture of most of our instructors. And one of the reasons we're able to keep our costs low is because I'm able to reach out to congregations and talk to their elders and ask for permission for their preacher to come and teach a class or two a year. And they'll come and they'll teach for free. And that keeps our costs down. And I like having a vast array of, uh, array of speakers. And the reason I like it is because if you have two or three teachers, well, me, I teach the Bible through my experiences. I was raised on the mission field. So I have a very mission mind, mindset, evangelistic mindset because of my experiences. I'm younger than the other ones. And so when Pat looks at a verse, I look at a verse. We have the same fundamental truths, but we have different experiences getting there. So anyhow, by them having 25, 30 different teachers, they get the same truth, but through different avenues, you know, through different experiences uh, that people have been through. And all those that have a a number behind them. That's the year they graduated. Uh, we have Richard Massey who teaches, uh, Andrew Robeson who preaches in Paris, Jason Sparks, Richard Stevens is in South Dallas uh, preaching. And what I like about them though is not their really level ed- education, is the years they've been in the pulpit. That's what you need to train preachers. You know, I don't want to run down degrees or anything. I've been there, done that. You know, you get out of college and you just don't have the experience. Well, these guys have been preaching and teaching for 30, 40 years, and that's who we need to preach the gospel and to, I mean, to train young men to preach. Uh, Randall Morris just preaches right down the road here uh, at Robinson Road there in Grand Prairie. And Randall's been with the school for a long time. Uh, his best friend, Ken Hope's not in the picture. Ken Hope preaches at Centerville Road in Garland. Uh, most people don't remember him. Uh, but they remember his father-in-law, Johnny Ramsey. And uh, so Ken yeah, married Johnny's daughter. And Iris lives with them, I believe, or right beside them. So anyhow, it's a great group of men. Um, let's see, Obed Rodriguez is in there somewhere. He preaches at the Everman Congregation on the other side of Fort Worth, not too far from here. But here's the pictures of our student body. Uh, you can see our 2018 body, our 2019 body. Typically, uh, you know, our 2019 body is a little different. But typically, we, uh, a third of our students are white, a third are black, and a third are Spanish-speaking. And, you know, that changes every year. The group we graduated two years ago, no, in December. Well, time flies, doesn't it? The group that we graduated in December, we graduated eight English-speaking, six were black, and two were uh, white. So we just never know from year to year how it's going to be. But they come from all over the world. Uh, they come from all over America. They come from all different backgrounds. Uh, this young man right here in a gray suit and a pink tie, five years ago he was Catholic. Uh, his dad's from Cuba. Mom's an American. And uh, he was raised in Mexico. So he speaks Spanish. And uh, he, of course, speaks English as well. Matter of fact, he has a job interview this morning up in Whitesboro. He doesn't graduate until December, 
but he was there filling in the pulpit one day and they liked him and they're, they've asked him to come and try out. So hopefully by the end of the day, he may be employed even though he's not going to graduate until December. Uh, we have this young man in the back, Junior Cole. Junior is probably the best speaker we've had at the school in a long time. Uh, you know, there are just some people that are just born with it. You know, they're just talented. They know how to draw in a crowd. Excuse me? I said Junior Cole, didn't I? Junior died. I'm sorry. Junior is from Jamaica. This is Damian Lowe. <laughs> Damian Lowe. Junior did graduate from the school as well. Uh, from Ellison Road in Jamaica, same congregation. Junior passed away last year or earlier this year. But Damien Lowe, and he's just really talented. And uh, I've said more than once he's come to America to take over. But anyhow, he's going back to Jamaica in December after he graduates to work at the Ellison Road congregation. The students jokingly refer to him as the Jamaican Osteen. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Uh, doctrinally, no. But if you've ever seen that Osteen character, he does have a talent, a, a speaking talent. He doesn't know anything about the Bible, <laughs> but he does have a speaking talent. And that's who Damien is. He is just very talented. And uh, I know he's going to do great things for the kingdom for years to come. He has a little boy. He has a, two, a set of twins that are eight, nine years old. And his wife is pregnant right now as we we speak. So this is the group, and we have five more that are not in the picture. Uh, they started just uh, two weeks ago, and the five that started, Leonard Graves, he has his master's. Um, we have Scott Dykowski and his wife. Scott Dykowski received his master's from uh, Sam Houston, and it's in writing, and he was a editor of the newspaper in Dublin, Texas. And he came to us recently. Uh, the young boy that, that's staying in the parsonage here, Michael Jimenez, he just graduated with his associates. Preston McAyay, I don't know if you ever met him yet. His dad's an elder from the Mount Vernon congregation. Uh, Preston just graduated UT, he, University of Texas. I said UT in uh, Virginia the other day. They thought it's something about Tennessee. Uh, so I got to get that right. From the University of Texas. He graduated with uh, majoring in English and Spanish. And Preston's a great speaker already, just does a fabulous job. And uh, he was valedictorian of his high school, and I think he graduated 4.0 from UT. And uh, so he, he's, he's quite a catch. We're glad we have him. And he's getting married. I don't know if it's not this next weekend, but he's getting married sometime very soon. And they'll be staying in Seagullville. So they're good kids. And we like to bring them in when they're 25 to 35 to 40. That's the age group that we really concentrate on uh, recruiting. And the reason for that is because they're hireable. Uh, and you're hireable if you're over 40, by the way. But, you know, there's this grand, great pocket in the Lord's Church where when we're hiring, we're looking for preachers that are 35 to 45 with four kids, 10 years experience. That's what everybody wants. So... We will bring in 18 and 19-year-olds, but we don't work hard to recruit them. And the reason is, is because when they leave at 19 and 20, no one's going to hire a 19-year-old preacher. Uh, they're just not going to do that for, uh, you know, a lot of reasons. So uh, we, we work hard to recruit that age, get them out of school, and get them in a pulpit as soon as we can. 
Here's our Spanish instructors. They're all graduates of Brown Trail, and they all preach around here, and we're, we're grateful for them. The Spanish department, we've graduated 54 since we've started it. All their graduates, they preach in Georgia, Texas, Arkansas, Mexico, El Salvador, and Costa Rica. And all our current Spanish students are preaching full-time. We will not allow our English students to do that. But there's such a need for, um, for Spanish-speaking preachers around this area that as soon as they step their foot in the door, there's a congregation waiting on them. And again, we wouldn't allow that for our English guys because they're not ready. These guys are not ready. But the need is there, so we, you know, we do what we can to help out. Uh, they go on three to four door-knocking campaigns a year. Since this program was established, they have baptized 507, and they've established eight congregations. And we don't have these numbers for our English department because no one thought about keeping numbers like that in the 60s. Uh, we've learned over the years. So anyhow, they do a great job. And if you know anything about missions, there's a lot of different methodologies, how to do things. And our methodology, I guess, is... It's of the concept where we're, we're not going to work or we're not going to pay their preachers in perpetuity. We try to get them, congregations established, get them matured on their own forever and ever. And, uh, you know, there's different approaches. Ours is called the indigenous approach, meaning you train the people to do their job, get their, get their feet off the ground, and then you leave and go somewhere else. And uh, there's a paternalistic approach where you put a man on the field, or you train a man on the field and you pay him forever until he dies and you pay his son forever until he dies and, and the congregation never really grows, never really matures. Well, this congregation here that we recently established, they have purchased their own land, they've built their own building and they're paying their own preacher and it's only a few years old. So it can be done. It's just sometimes you've got to force the issue. I have here, uh, I'm going to pass it out, a clipboard. And we have a monthly email newsletter that we send out to people. Uh, just, it's usually not very long, six, seven hundred words, a few pictures, just to give you an update of what's going on. And if you'd like to be on it, uh, you have email, just write your email address down and, yeah, I'll, I'll add you to the list. And you can keep track of the things that we're doing. I mean, you all do support the school and we appreciate that. And, you know, we feel that we need to give you as much information as we can. Because if not, as I've learned on the mission field, if you don't report and you don't visit, guess what happens? They drop you. <laughs> and we don't want to ever be dropped. So I'll start, I guess, in the back, and we can push the clipboard forward. And when we're done, we'll you pick it up. Okay. Now, the curriculum, we have 72 classes at school preaching, to compare that to college, just in case you want a comparison. If you go get a degree, it's 128, 120 hours, depending on the state. And typically, 90 hours pertain to the degree, which is essentially 30 classes. So if you got a bachelor's in Bible, you've taken about 30 Bible classes, which means you have not covered every book of the Bible. Maybe on an overview level, but there is no way you've covered every book of the Bible verse by verse, especially when you have your Greek class and your Hebrew class, and some require Latin, believe it or not. And then you have your history classes and this and that. 
So you'd be fortunate if you really covered 15 books of the Bible in depth getting, getting your bachelor's. Now, if you go on and get a master's, another 60 hours, another 20 classes. So someone with a master's in Bibles had about 50 classes. And they still haven't covered all the Bible. And I can tell you that for certain, been there, done that. So you go to a school preaching like ours and Southwest and Memphis, all of the medium books and down, like First and Second Corinthians and Hebrews on down, everything is verse by verse. Uh, I teach First and Second Corinthians here. It's a 60-hour class, and I'm going to be starting it, I guess, in the next week or so. And all your larger books, like Isaiah, uh, the Chronicles, the Kings, Samuel, uh, the Psalms, well, if we handle them verse by verse, we'd be there a very long time. So they're more paragraph by paragraph, chapter by chapter, but everything is covered. And we have additional courses as well, homiletics, which is how to develop your lesson. Uh, hermeneutics is how to interpret scripture. We have Greek, exegesis, Hebrews. We have a critical thinking class. And a critical thinking class is very important because we try to teach them to think on their own. You know, it, you know anything about our public school system, you know, it's, the, the liberalness within it started in the 1930s, 1940s. And basically, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but the more education a person tends to get, the more liberal they are. And it's because the longer they're under those influences. So in a lot of areas, they're told how to think these days. They're not taught to think for themselves, but they're told how to think. Well, we're trying to deprogram that and to teach them to think for themselves. So if they pick up a commentary somewhere and they read something that's false, oh, that's false. You know, get the good from it and just don't believe everything you hear. So we have a critical thinking class just geared to that. We have a preacher's practicum one and two. Those classes are geared to uh, answering questions. You know, if you ever taught an adult Bible class, you'd never know what type of question you're going to be asked. I've been teaching before from Genesis chapter 6 about the grace and the love of God, you know, from about the flood and Noah. And someone in the back had a question and they raised their hand. They were reading their Bible that week and they got the first Corinthians 6 about lawsuits amongst brethren. So I'm teaching about the grace of God and Noah and they raise their hand. And the only thing from 1 Corinthians 6 and Genesis 6 that, that's the same is the number 6. And I don't know why they're asking a question about lawsuits amongst brethren. But you can't sit there and tell them, you know, that's the most ignorant question ever. How do you get from there to there? So we teach them how to answer questions. Uh, we teach them how to, uh, Preacher's Practicum 2 deals with hypotheticals. And what I mean for, about hypotheticals is how to deal with church problems. You know, the church is perfect, but we who make it up, guess what? So we have church problems that are the same everywhere. And a lot of times, souls have been chased from the church, if you will, because we've handled things wrong. Uh, I've been in congregations before where a young lady ends up praying out of wedlock, and a young boy is a member of the congregation as well. Well, she is shunned. She's forced to go down and repent. And he's still reading scriptures and serving on the Lord's Supper table. No consequence at all. Well, that's not right. You know, they both sinned. I think that's how that works, right? 
They both sin. Uh, so how do you handle those situations? I mean, is it going to happen and a young lady's going to end up praying out of wedlock? Unfortunately, yes. It's going to happen from time to time. But if handled properly, you can save her soul and who knows how many others. If handled wrong, as has happened before, well, as you all know, you know, they may, may leave, go to another congregation, or they may be offended and never come back again. So we work with them on these issues. I'll, I'll, I'll put them in front of the classroom and I'll throw hypotheticals at them. Uh, a few years ago, we were doing the rehearsal for a wedding. And the girl's father, by the way, was supposed to be a member of the church. He showed up drunk to the rehearsal. So how do you handle those things? You know, as a congregation, as a leadership, you know, because it has to be handled. And, but you have to handle it in such a way that you're loving the sinner, but in such a way that you love the truth. And, you know, you don't want to water down the truth, never, ever, ever. But at the same time, you want to save the sinner. So everything's got to be handled perfectly and in love. So we teach all those things. I teach church history. I'm in the right in the smack in the middle of church history right now. Uh, starting tomorrow, we just finished Martin Luther. And we're going to talk about who, who drank Zwingli. And after we finish him, we'll talk about John Calvin for a while. And uh, so it's a, it's a great class. Our facilities, we have four classrooms. We have a library with about 10,000 books. It sits empty all the time because the kids have a thing called the Internet. And they can download these books. They're found on PDF. Uh, search them pretty fast these days. But the books are still there. And uh, I tell them they need to learn how to use a book because one day China is going to cut the cords in the Internet and they need to know how to do it. Uh, we have chapel every day from 9 to 9.30. Uh, they go on local preaching opportunities. This is a blessing we have being in the DFW area. Our kids are in a pulpit uh, the second year every Sunday. We, we allow our first-year students to go out once a month uh, until you know, they get the swing of things. But after that, they're in a pulpit every Sunday somewhere. I feel probably 15 to 20 pulpits every Sunday. And I get congregations, they call me all throughout the week. Maybe the preacher's sick, he's going on vacation, uh, there's a death in the family or whatever. And I'll get these phone calls. I've gotten them at 8 o'clock in the morning. Can you send us someone? And generally at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, the answer is no. It's too late by then. But, you know... Uh, we get them all the time. So I, I use all of them. And we have some of our local graduates in this area that we use as well uh, to help fill pulpits. So they get that experience. Uh, they go to lectureships. We teach them how to do radio uh, as well. We have an MTSM program, which is a one-year program for kids right out of high school, college. Maybe they don't want to be a preacher or a preacher's wife, but they can come for a year just to study. It will give them a foundation for the rest of their lives. We handpick classes that will be good for them and help them be better spouses, better Bible class teachers one day. The boys maybe to be better elders and deacons one day, uh, Lord willing. We have a future preacher's training camp. Starts today. This is geared for 13 to 19-year-old boys. Uh, we bring them in and we work with them to teach them how to develop a lesson. We put them in a TV studio there, Truth and Love TV studio, at the end of the week and we record it for them you know, their lesson that way they can go home with the HD you know on set and everything uh, they always like doing that but Tyler Bush directs this he's from the Granbury Street congregation just up the road and we also teach them to use the technology that's available today for good 
you know, the internet's just like paper, amoral. Use it for good, use it for bad. And they're going to use it. There's no, no stopping it. So we teach them how to use it for good, how to build and edify themselves and how to encourage others as well. So as I close, we have preachers today preaching full-time in all these red states. Uh, we have hundreds of men that are out there preaching. They continue to spread throughout America and the world. They become pulpit ministers, youth ministers. They serve as elders and deacons. Uh, they work with other schools of preaching as well. Uh, they work at Freed Hardman. Uh, Harding just hired one of our students and graduates, and we're very grateful for that because we, we know he's sound in the faith. Uh, his wife was already on staff there as a, a teacher for the nursing program, so we're grateful that they brought him on. And they write books and journals, and they, they debate and uh, do a lot of great things. Uh, they work with TV programs, uh, radio shows. They direct church camps, and they work in other countries as well, establishing schools of preaching uh, in these other countries. And so as I close, uh, we need your prayers. Always keep us in your thoughts and your prayers. Uh, It is a glorious gift to know that someone is taking your name and your ministry, your work, to the throne of God. Keep us in in your prayers. Uh, We're looking for students. And I want to mention this. I know I'm running out of time, but... My wife and I were just south of Dallas, and one of the preachers there graduated Brown Trail in 72, and he's still preaching. So that's 45 years, right? Nope, 47 years. I was born in 72, just in case you want to know. Uh, He's been preaching that long. So almost five decades now. So men that we are graduating now, this Michael Jimenez, they stick to it. They're going to be preaching up to 2060, 2070. That seems unreal that 2060 or 2070 may be here one day, and it might, might not be. You know, I don't know the Lord's plans. But that's how long they're going to be in pulpits. And we know the mess that this country is in right now, morally and spiritually. And if we need anything, we need more sound men trained to preach the gospel uh, for the next five, six decades. That's what we're doing right now. I know we're going to be dead and gone, but our kids and our grandkids are going to be here. And these are the ones, that, like Michael Jimenez, that's going to be preaching to them. So it's just not a benefit for us now. What we're doing is preparing men for tomorrow. And it's an investment in the Lord's church is what it is. So there are ways to help. Uh, we know you all do. I will mention Amazon Smile and Kroger Charity. Uh, Amazon Smile is a charitable part of Amazon.com. You put in AmazonSmile.com, same website. It's just their charitable site. You can pick us as your charity of choice. And they will send us a small portion of your purchases. It doesn't cost you a thing. But we get a check from every quarter, and it adds up. Kroger Charity does the same thing. You can choose us as your charity. Whenever you give them your little card thingy-majiggy when you check out, uh, you know, so keep that in mind. If you haven't chosen anyone, we would appreciate it. Uh, there are over 400 classes on our website right now, Bible Notes. Uh, if you remember Thomas Warren, Andrew Conley, Avon Malone, Johnny Ramsey, those guys, I went to an office a while back and found box after box of box of old material used in the 60s and 70s. I've been scanning it and putting it on the website, browntrailschoolpreaching.com. You can go there and download them. They're on PDF, and uh, they're a great resource. So, as I close, our motto at the School of Preaching is the truth and love, Ephesians 4. 
There's a lot of preachers out there that have a lot of truth but no love. And a lot that have a lot of love but no truth. And we do our job the best we can to marry the two, just as the Lord has asked us to do. We have to preach the truth, but there is a place for image. And we need to preach it exactly how the Lord would have, in truth and in love. So any questions? Well, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. I'm generally one of the tallest ones around. Uh, Our daughter's not in here. She just turned 12. She's a preteen. She knows everything. (laughs) You can ask her. (laughs) Thank you all. We appreciate being here and appreciate your love and support.